0: alert for a little girl in Saskatchewan has been expanded into... We were sitting outside, we heard him shooting. He's now facing 15 charges. In eight of
1: Canada's 13 provinces and territories, crime is up. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Shelley. And welcome to another episode of True North Crime.
0: The podcast where we discuss a crime in Canada and then some element of usually Canadian law afterwards.
1: Yes. Well done, you. Thanks. Only <laughs> took Two, two tries. <laughs> how are you doing rachel um i am doing pretty good what do i why <laughs> i was just gonna start comp- to complain about work and then i decided i'm gonna stop doing that mm-hmm. um and well that means i don't have anything to talk about so yeah i'm great thanks how are you <laughs> wow <laughs> this is my life now
0: <laughs> this that sucks man <laughs> Well, I'm I'm good. So I went climbing yesterday, so I'm really stiff because it's been a, a long time since I went climbing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But the instructor was so nice and he was so encouraging. He's like, oh, you've climbed before. You have good technique. I'm like, oh, thanks. I'm just so weak, though. I'm like, at one point, I was like anacorna myself up the wall. I was like, ugh. <laughs> and I realized that whenever I do slip and fall, I make this sound, meh. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like, Meep. Oh, weird. It's so weird. And it's like this, meh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, almost like beaker
0: yeah like a meep kind of Beep,
1: meep. yeah <laughs> maybe you should work on that
0: isn't isn't that the roadrunner oh meep, yeah meep.
1: yeah no, but beaker makes a weird like meep yeah voice. he's like meep 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 <laughs> meep me, me. yeah
0: <laughs> that's beaker <laughs> anyway so that was that and then today i was very sad to hear about the notre dame cathedral
1: yes that is very upsetting mm. I'm actually like really sad. Like normally, like tragic news like this doesn't really upset me quite as much as this did.
0: Yeah, I think it's. I mean, we've both been there at different times, and mm-hmm. it's just such a monument. And I think it's it's a it's a piece of, um, like it's the perfect example of gothic architecture, which is yes. like I studied it in school, so. And um, I, as much as I'm not a religious per- person, I did appreciate the art and the history of the place.
1: Well, that's just it. Even if you're not um, a religious person, it doesn't have any religious value for you. You can still appreciate what the building means and represents just in terms of, as you say, architecture and art. But also just like as a feat of construction. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned this earlier, and, like if they decide to rebuild I I honestly don't believe that we today have the skills to recreate that.
0: Yeah, I mean, they say they're going to rebuild it, but you don't know in what image like they could do maybe a glass top or something to kind of also commemorate the fire. They mm. have to kind of be more respectful of that, I think. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, rebuild doesn't mean in its exact image.
1: No, that's true. Um I'm sure it'll be a an interpretation. I suppose, of what was once there. Mm. Um, and then the loss of the stained glass is pretty upsetting as well.
0: Yeah, that's just terrible. Yeah. I mean, just seeing, you know, the smoke come out of that rose window.
1: Mm-hmm. So rose
0: window is the big circular one in the front for anyone who doesn't know what it is.
1: There are, I think, three of them.
0: Yeah. And it's the main one, though, the main big one.
1: Yeah. it's So it's a recognizable feature.
0: Yeah, and it's just, it makes me, it, it's just to see, you know, the black charring on the outside of that was just, you know, it's pretty terrible. And then you have to wonder what the inside has been damaged. And I mean, I, I guess also the the positive thing um, is that all of most of the art was saved, or almost all of it.
1: Was it? Yeah. Was a fire strictly in the roof?
0: The fires on the roof and apparently the place is gutted yeah. from the reports I heard but all of the art because they had been doing the renovation a lot of it had, had been, been taken moved. out. Oh, and I think maybe okay. when it first started they were like get everything out. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how that rolled but apparently they they saved a lot of the art but also okay. there were three bron- or 13 or I think it was 13 bronze statues in the very entrance way and I remember looking at them um ages and ages ago when i was there but anyway they had been moved for restoration purposes so Mm. they weren't even there so there's a lot of stuff that actually yeah was saved
1: okay well that's some good news i suppose out of all
0: of this anyway so let's talk about some bad news aka um some murders
1: murders let's do that's what we're here for yep okay so after all we don't
0: want to chat too much about ourselves at the beginning
1: That's right. People don't like that. (laughs) Um,
0: Some people don't.
1: So April, April 6th to be exact, was the, this year, 2019, was the 20th anniversary of the OC Transpo shooting that took place in Ottawa. So we're going to talk about that. Oh, fun. Uh, So in case you don't know, OC Transpo is the public transportation service in Ottawa, um, which is where I live. And it is mostly buses. Ottawa does have an LRT, like a train, but there's only one line at the moment. And there's a, like, all this controversy about the second line. We're not going to talk about that.
0: Yeah, we're not here to <laughs> debate political <laughs> decisions God. and policies.
1: And SNC-Lavalin freaking got the contract for phase two uh, of the we'll LRT. Have... Anyway, you know, we're not
0: going to go into that either, we're gonna, No, that's not what we're here for.
1: Okay. Pierre Le was a 13-year veteran with OC, OC Transpo, um, but his tenure there wasn't great. He spoke with a stutter, and the guys he worked with at the garage made fun of him.
0: Oh, they suck.
1: All right. We're talking about adult men. Mm-hmm. Grown men who openly mocked another adult with a speech impediment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Le complained to management, but they didn't give a shit. And his work life was pretty miserable. His home life, on the other hand, I think was rather pleasant. He lived in Vanier, which is a largely Francophone neighborhood. It's a nice place. Yeah. And he was well-liked by his neighbors who remember him as a nice person. Um, A high school friend described him as an excellent guy. So there was a transit strike in 1996. Mm-hmm. But Lebrun didn't join his colleagues on the picket line. Instead, he was on doctor recommended sick leave, and his coworkers either didn't know or they didn't care about this prescribed leave of absence. But they did they not saw it as
0: a betrayal or something. Yeah, exactly.
1: They just didn't appreciate his absence during the strike. Right. So, like another reason to.
0: But they didn't like bed. him. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. Got it. After the strike, the torment and mockery resumed. And in 1997, Le Brun got into an actual fight with a co-worker who was imitating his stutter.
0: Yeah, after a while, I think you'd get a break on that one. Yeah,
1: Well, he was fired. Mm. And I don't know what happened to the guy who made fun of him. Oh. Probably nothing. Probably. Um, Le Brun went to his union, who filed a grievance with OC, OC Transpo, arguing three things. One, the dismissal was not warranted. Two, management had neglected to look into what actually happened, like why they got into a fight to begin with. Right. And three, that they fired an employee with known disabilities. Yep. So LeBron got his job back. Yay for unions. (laughs) Unsurprisingly, LeBron was not welcome back at the garage where the fight happened. So he was transferred to the main garage. And there he rotated through a couple of jobs before he became an audit clerk, which means he took stock of bus parts and stuff like that. As part of his reinstatement at work, Le Brun had to take an anger management course. At the end of the course, he had to fill out a self-evaluation. One of the questions was, did you reach your goals set for yourself?
0: Yes, I understand that my anger is unmanageable.
1: <laughs> he said no.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Very, Very honest. honest. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I called
0: that correctly. <laughs>
1: And there was no follow up on this. Wow. By the way. Okay, that was in 1997. LeBron stayed with o- OC Transpo for two more years and then he quit in January of 1999 after his doctor recommended he find work elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So he moved out to BC, where he stayed with an old high school friend while he looked for work. And when he couldn't land a job, he moved on to Las Vegas where his unlucky streak continued, and eventually he made his way back to Ottawa, arriving home in early April of 1999. At home, he wrote a suicide note addressed to his parents, apologizing for what he had in mind.
0: Oh, this is never good.
1: Nope. In the note, he named four people at OC Transpo who, quote, along with many others, would pay dearly for what they've done to me, end quote. He also named three people at work who had tried to help him. Oh. He wrote, I fear for my life because of these retards whom the union are following me. Sorry, from the union who are following me. I am being followed, spied upon, humiliated from Vancouver, Kamloops, Kelowna, and even Las Vegas.
0: Oh, so he's had some type of break. He's getting paranoid. Yeah.
1: They will never leave me alone. I can't go on living like this. They have destroyed my life. I will destroy their life. I never wanted it to come to this, but it was probably my destiny.
0: Oh, no. Fatalistic.
1: Yeah, you can get a little bit of an insight to how this guy was thinking. Likely harbored this grudge for a very long time. Some of the things I read said that LeBrun then smoked a J before he headed over to the main garage where he used to work.
0: That's a joint for some people who smoked don't know. Smoked a joint.
1: Smoked marijuana. This is about 2.30 in the afternoon on April 6th. He had a Remington 30 6 with him. That is a pump-action rifle. Wow. <laughs> His He was an avid hunter, actually. Owned the gun legally, um, which he'd bought, I think, like seven years prior to this actually happening. Mm-hmm. His first shot missed the men he was aiming at, but two of them were wounded by bullet fragments. He fired into a barrel or something like that. Mm-hmm. The men shouted for someone to call nine one one. Instead, someone got on the PA system and announced, "There's a guy with a gun," and people thought it was a joke at first.
0: Well, it goes to like the culture at work, eh? right?
1: Yeah, and they thought these gunshots were bus tires exploding. Oh man. Curious about what was going on, Brian Gay appeared on the scene, coming over to check what was happening, and LeBrun shot him in the chest. This was the first victim. Some workers were taking a break in the back of a bus, and they watched, shocked and helpless, as LeBrun shot Harry Shonemakers, hitting him in the head. LeBrun got on the bus and asked the men sitting there, are you happy now? And then he left. Wow. He just left them there on the bus. Hmm. Next, LeBrun entered the store's office where he shot Claire Davidson in the back. And uh, David LeMay, who saw this happen, yelled, he's nuts. And then mm-hmm. LeBrun shot him. There were two other people in the office and he left them alone, like the men on the bus. Just
0: So just like there were certain people with the ones that he shot were the targets that he originally chosen or no, what? No,
1: actually. Nobody he named in his suicide note. Was died, died, or was injured in any way.
0: Oh, so he just like some people just got lucky, and he left them.
1: That's pretty much it. That's what oh. it seems like. What happened? I'm a little unclear here. There were either four men in the office total, or two of the guys came into the office later. Claude Brazo either was in the office or right in the office. He saw what happened, and he phoned nine one one. He told the operator everything he could about what Lebrun was wearing, what kind of gun he was carrying, where he might be. Claude believed Le was heading for a loft area at the back of the garage, which actually was true. That's where he was going. Mm-hmm. So Claude's on the phone with 911. After leaving the office, Le then set a fire. He intended to t- burn down the building, but the fire didn't take. And then he climbed up to that loft area. Which would have offered him a really good vantage point down into the garage. Yeah. But by this time, everyone was either hiding or they had fled. Right. So Lombarder then shot at some of the computers before finally turning the gun on himself. Oh. This whole thing lasted maybe five minutes. Wow. From beginning to end.
0: It's amazing how destructive it happened so quickly. I
1: know. Um, but the thing is, nobody actually knew it was over. So there's Claude in the office, and -hmm. there's another man in there named Dave Halloran. And Claude's still on the phone, desperately whispering to the 911 operator, asking when the police are going to get there.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, to be fair, like, probably no one knows that he turned the gun on himself at this point, right? So
1: Probably not. Um, And maybe, like, there are no more gunshots, but maybe, like, you don't register Maybe Maybe he's waiting for someone to
0: pop their exactly. head up. Exactly. Right? really don't yeah. know what's happening. Oh, I wouldn't move until the police came and told me to move. Yeah. I would have been just stuck there.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too, probably. Yeah. So, you really, know, we can't fault Claude or really anybody else for not knowing what's That's happening.
0: That's just, yeah, erring on the side of caution in that type of situation, probably your best shot at survival. Yeah,
1: but let me tell you a little bit about the police action. Oh, dear. When the police did get there, they had no idea what the hell was going on. The scene outside the garage was total chaos. And I'd like to remind you, this started around 2.30 in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. The tactical unit showed up at 3.10.
0: Wow. And it lasted five minutes. Yes. Wow.
1: So it was like 40 minutes after Liberno fired his first shot. Right. They were delayed getting to the garage because they were on duty at the courthouse for witness protection.
0: Oh, all of them.
1: All of them. Well, well, we'll we'll get into the tactical unit. That's
0: one hell of a witness. And what
1: exactly was going on. Yes. Okay. Finally, police got on the horn with Claude 40 minutes after he made his 911 call. You might want to know why it took so long for the police to pick up the call instead of him just talking to the operator all this time. Yeah. Because the cops were waiting for a negotiator to arrive on scene so that he could get on the phone.
0: Oh, Jesus.
1: Never mind the fact that no one's said anything about hostages or negotiation. Nobody's talked to Lebrun. When the tactical unit finally entered the building, an hour had passed since the shooting began. Right. And anybody
0: who could have survived would have been dead.
1: Yeah, presumably.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: This is also around the time when the negotiator got on the phone with Claude. Okay, so not only was the tactical team delayed in getting there to begin with, they didn't have any building plans. Which then further delayed their entrance. And when they finally did make their entrance, they had only vague instructions to look for the gunman in, quote, an elevated area and a map drawn by a security guard. Good call. So the timeline breaks down a little bit here. Um, It's possible the tactical team waited even longer for someone to get them a real map of the building. Whatever, I'd suggest that they didn't enter the building until close to five o'clock.
0: Wow. That's like a nightmare for all those poor people inside.
1: Well, this is it. Lebrun had. Lebrun and his victims had been dead for like two hours by this point.
0: Yeah. And then everybody there's just smelling blood and. oh. oh.
1: <laughs> so later that evening, families were told that if they hadn't heard from their loved ones, They should go to a certain fire station for more information. And this is what David LeMay's family did. David LeMay's family goes to this fire station. And there, David's wife and his two teenage children were told that he was dead. And that was it. They just arrive at the fire station and some random guy is like, yep, your husband died. Yeah, he did. Like.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so (laughs) So, sensitive. So sensitive. yeah,
1: Yeah, really well handled. Terry. Oh my god, is my husband okay? No, he's dead. He's dead. Uh, you can go sorry.
0: No sense in waiting around. Go
1: have dinner. No, this was after dinner.
0: Oh,
1: true. Terry, David's wife, wasn't allowed to identify her husband's body. Instead, a relative was shown a photo of David. And at six o'clock the next morning, the names of the Bruno's victims are read over the radio. Terry didn't know that her husband had been formally identified as one of the deceased. So she's sort of, like, in this weird in-between place where she wasn't allowed to identify the body, but she was told that he was dead. And, like, this poor woman doesn't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. And then hears it over the radio.
0: So sensitive.
1: Okay, two months later, LeMay's rampage, sorry, LeBron's rampage, my apologies, claimed Mm -hmm. its final victim. Ray McDonald completed suicide in June 1999. In his note, he explained how he and Lambert had talked about shooting their managers. Aww. He wrote, I have been unable to sleep well since the shooting. Pierre had talked with me to great length about it and where to be for a better shot at some managers. As it turned out, he shot himself at this location in the loft. I feel Aww. guilty as hell for not telling anyone.
0: Aww, that's terrible.
1: So, we're going to fast forward a little bit to January 18th, 2000. A service for the four murdered men was held at the Canadian Tire Centre. Back then, it was the Corral Centre.
0: It's Mm -hmm.
1: a hockey arena. Right. What's where the uh, Ottawa Senators plays their home rink. Mm -hmm. 5,000 people showed up. Wow. Including the Prime Minister.
0: Wow. Well, I mean... Kind of right around the corner, and it is kind of tragic.
1: Yes, yeah. Um, a funeral service was also held for Liburna. Seventy-four people packed the Vanny Funeral Home. And my, uh, sorry, Michelle Pelletier, a friend of Brun's from his hometown in Capesizing, said, "quote I can't begin to explain what he did, but I can say he isn't getting the respect he deserves." End quote. So you know, even though he did this terrible thing, his friends and his family who knew him well. You know, still
0: stood by him, stood by him because yeah. they thought he was a solid dude.
1: Yeah.
0: Because he is the victim of pretty much like Bullying. mental torment.
1: Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, among, it's just
0: tragic all around. I
1: know. It's just terrible. So, among the co workers, sorry, among the mourners at LeBrennan's funeral were four of his cowork- former co workers. Said one of them, quote, it wasn't fair the way he was treated by everyone. They pushed him over the edge, end quote. So, Some understanding there. Right. Okay. So as happens with tragedies, um, there was a coroner's inquest. Mm -hmm. The inquest heard from 49 witnesses and examined over 40 exhibits. Wow. And on February 29th, 2000, the jury delivered 77 recommendations to OC Transpo and the Ottawa Police Service. 51 of these recommendations were specific to O.C. Transpo, which had nurtured an environment of bullying and harassment.
0: Well, yeah, that's kind of apparent.
1: Right? I won't list all 51.
0: Please Um, don't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But some of the jury's recommendations do point out how bad things were at O.C. Transpo. Mm -hmm. And among these recommendations were an employee code of conduct. Oh. (laughs) Leadership training for supervisors. Mm -hmm. Accommodation for employees with disabilities. Right. And policies and procedures to prevent workplace violence and harassment.
0: Now, I was a teenager when this happened. Mm -hmm. And I mean, now all of these things are kind of quid pro quo, right? So was this like a new concept in general
1: in the mid-90s in workplaces? I don't think so. Because what really came out here was that OC Transpo... um, Sorry, there was a real breakdown in the relationship between managers and staff at OC Transpo. And before even Lebrun showed up on the scene, uh people had complained about the way OC Transpo handled their business and dealt with complaints in that they simply didn't. Right. Um, so it's I mean, I I won't say that it's not surprising something like this happened because it's a terrible thing that did happen, but at the same time, that they didn't even have a fucking code of conduct, right? Enough no policies and procedures to event to prevent violence and harassment. No yeah. like it just. No, I understand. Yeah.
0: I I understand they had nothing in place. I just think like I was just wondering if it was kind of the norm.
1: No, I don't think so. I think this is just like gross negligence on OC Transpo's part. Right. For simply not moving forward or keeping a step with changes to the workplace and creating a better workplace environment for okay. your police. Um. So that says she Transpo. As for the Ottawa police, who arrived late and couldn't get their shit together.
0: Yeah, no <laughs> shit. Wow. <Way laughs> the to,
1: jury found. Way to win it. Yeah. So here's what the jury had to say to Ottawa police. They found there was a shortage of police vehicles available to transport police to the garage. Oh, my God. The tactical team was not fully staffed. So even though they were on duty at the courthouse, they were actually down a bunch of team members at the time. Right. There was a communications breakdown leading to delays in providing vital information to police on site. No shit. Mm-hmm. There were too many people in the command center, and it was unclear who should be doing what.
0: Oh, yeah. The old the old who's going to take charge.
1: Well, not even that. I think a bunch of people tried to take charge, and then there were other people hanging around the command center who shouldn't be there, like the media.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> but nobody be... knew
1: who anybody was. Gotcha. And finally, the police didn't properly handle family notification and victim identification.
0: Yeah, that's obvious. Mm-hmm.
1: So in order to remedy the problems identified, the jury recommended, among other things, a victim liaison for the police and a mobile command center. Um, Neither of which Ottawa police actually had at the time. Mm -hmm. And as it turns out, the need for a mobile command center was identified in the 1980s, but there was never enough money to buy one.
0: Oh, yeah. Amazing how that happens.
1: And I will close by saying that the Ottawa Police Service did get the funds to purchase a mobile command center in 2001 oh my god really that late (laughs) (laughs) i was not expecting that and that is the tragic story of the O.C. transpose shooting not quite cut and dry like some other mass shootings that take place
0: yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. It, when it's it comes really down sad. to the bullying and, like, everybody yeah, – How awful. And it's so preventable as well. Like, just the fact that they didn't even look at the fact that he didn't meet his goals and anger management, and then he just got paranoid right. or something. Well, like, and he, just like, oh. had
1: complained in the past, but management – like, nobody cared.
0: Yeah, the funny – like, he did everything right and just got completely passed off.
1: Yep. Yeah. Oh. And so that's why he had this coworker say that – she I you know she that she said that he wasn't being fairly treated and they pushed him over the edge
0: yeah no I could see that yeah wow well I did a little research uh for this episode into what inquests are
1: thank you yes as I said a coroner's inquest so talk to Mm -hmm. us a little bit about that so I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole um because it's actually very
0: interesting so uh if you go to the Ontario site it says like inquest started the, in the 11th century and I was like really but like why like, like how
1: so early <laughs> I know right like yeah. so, so what happened there in England um, the 11th yeah. century in England in England yes <laughs> not yes. a whole lot going on in Canada in the thousands <laughs> I was going to say the 1000s
0: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, is that there's, like, a lot of information about, like, inquests in general. So it started off, and the first um, recorded uh, aspect of a or instance of an inquest was done in the Doomsday Book, which Ooh. is Doomsday in um, Latin. And it's called, it was didn't have a title originally in the 11th century, but by the 12th century, it was called the Doomsday Book. And it was written in, like, colloquial Latin, and it was from uh, William the Conqueror commissioned it so once he was done killing everybody he commissioned an inquest <laughs> he could no he well he commissioned this book to be done which was basically a survey of all his lands like how many people there were how much livestock okay. it was basically to just go over taxes and so on and so forth but the book had four parts mm-hmm. and then in one of them is the inquisito alienis alien alienesis i'm gonna Sounds say like, you need to brush up on your latin i know right inquisito <laughs> Uh, Aliensis. That's how I'm going to say it because that's how I would say it in Italian. <laughs> so, um, and then essentially, uh, this it brought together a whole bunch of people to make an inquest into uh, some murders that had happened, oh. apparently. But it didn't go into any detail about it. Okay. So I don't really know. Uh, all it all it basically said that if it were were if they were to be found guilty in this case like uh julius caesar mentions an early use of the procedure and he said if a matter comes into suspicion about a death they hold an inquiry concerning the wives and the method used for slaves and if guilt is established they kill the wives who have been tortured with fire and all torments so like i like and that doesn't really give you anything about what the (laughs) hell happened so
1: all i I got from that is that (laughs) a bunch of women are gonna die
0: yeah exactly (laughs) which is pretty typical in a lot of
1: History. So, yeah.
0: Anyway, so it has evolved. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Good to
1: hear. All right.
0: Um, so essentially, there are five questions that uh, an inquiry has to, or an inquisition has to, inquisition. inquisition. <laughs> <laughs> the inquest has to solve. Inquiry, inquest is the same Nobody thing. Nobody
1: expects the Spanish Inquisition.
0: Okay. So who was the deceased? Okay. Where did the death occur? When did the death occur? How did the death occur? And by what means did the death occur?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So mandatory inquests are held when a, um, a death occurs in a job. Construction sites, mine, pit, quarry, wherever, office, okay. whatever. Uh, a death occurs while a person is in custody or being detained. Oh. It, um occurs to an injury, a sustained, or other event that occurred in custody. Mm-hmm. Uh, death of a child is a result of a criminal act of a person who has custody of the child. The death of a person occurs while being physically restrained and detained in a psychiatric facility, hospital, or treatment program. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the inquests are held when a coroner determines that uh, there's enough information about the death to support an inquest. So it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that the person's guilty or not guilty. It's more like to kind of suss it out.
1: Well, I think because I remember briefly looking at this stuff and there was... Inquests used to assign guilt and they don't do that anymore.
0: No, they don't. So, um, and a relative of a deceased person can request inque- an inquest uh, by writing into the investigating corridor.
1: Right. Okay. So, in the case of this shooting, for instance, it's up to the coroner's discretion. And yes. obviously, since it's a mass shooting, there's going to be an inquest separate yes. and apart from any criminal investigation that takes place.
0: Yep. So essentially they gather at a jury together, um, much like you would a jury jury. Mm-hmm. It's a public duty. So they just take rando people. and by they select random people. Five <laughs> random people. And they just, and they select a four person. Uh, the jurors are sworn in. And then um, the verdict doesn't have to be unanimous, but can be reached by a majority.
1: Mm.
0: And they take an active role and they're, um, they can ask questions of the witnesses and raise issues of concerns. Okay. Uh, And once the questions are answered, um, basically the jurors then can make recommendations. Right. So uh, your inquiries can be generally open to the public and media, uh, but it's usually there's some prohibitions with like cameras and stuff, obviously, because of the, they don't sometimes want to, I guess the juries and the people involved don't want to be necessarily have yeah. their faces splashed on? Well, over, I think but.
1: that's kind of a regular thing here. Like we don't really have cameras in the courtroom in this country, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I always see sketches. Of people yep, exactly. Trial. <laughs>
0: um. So yeah. So if a verdict of a jury assigns blame, it's not accepted. It's not the point of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. So
0: they're there to answer the five questions that we just talked about, and that's it. Yeah, so it's it's not it's not a guilty or innocent process. It's a process of how did this happen and how can it not happen again?
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Did you ever watch Da Vinci's Inquest? No. Me neither. But I think knowing this, <laughs> I might go back and take a look.
0: <laughs> nice. Nice.
1: If you had your choice, uh-huh. like jury in like court or. Corners inquest jury. Which should you choose?
0: The shortest one available.
1: Sh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's a big commitment.
0: Yeah, yeah. My mom was on the jury for a trial, and she loved it. Really? She had, she was like, oh, it was like a gangster trial in the end, and there was, you know, it was very funny, and there was all this, like, sex and scandal, and people were sleeping with people, and, like, (laughs) like she she came back from that and was just like, that was hilarious. It, like, lasted for, like, three or four days, and then she was good, but it was just, like,
1: yeah, she apparently, she got a humdinger. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's your old crapshoot when you get your jury summons.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like, ooh, what's it going to be? Yeah. So, uh, do you have a stupid law for us? Because then I'll give you a stupid, or a stupid crime, because I'll give you a stupid law afterwards.
1: All right. I love it. Little tit for tat. Mm. Okay. Bring it on. On. (laughs) So, my stupid crime happened in the States. I wish I could tell you which state it was in, but I don't remember anymore. (laughs) So, this woman. Goes to a gas station to fill up her car. And there are a couple of other people at the gas station. And I guess while she's turned away or distracted, this guy steals her purse out of her car okay. and then drives off with his buddy who is in the process of shoplifting from the store. Right. So it's s- super inconvenient to have your wallet stolen. Yes. Never mind the fact that it's a total violation. Two days later, this guy shows up to the restaurant where this woman works. Turns out that she is a waitress. And he orders a meal. And when it comes time to pay, he slaps on a credit card. And it's her credit card. Nice. <laughs> so he tried to pay for his meal with the credit card he stole from her. Nice. 2 days earlier. So, well, at least she got it back. At least she got. So she calls the police and the mm. police come and arrest this guy. And in addition to her credit card, he still has her ID with him.
0: Oh, that's even more convenient like, unless she's called it in already.
1: <laughs> no, she's already called it in. But no. it's like this dude had stolen her purse, so he had her driver's license. He would have known what she looked like if he'd even like had a glance at the driver's license.
0: Mm-hmm. And maybe would
1: have thought to not pay with the credit card, right? And match the name of the license. It happens to be the woman serving him lunch? Mm-hmm. So that's our stupid crime for this yep. week. Wow. Moron stole a woman's credit card, then uh, used it to pay for lunch at the restaurant where she worked.
0: <laughs> so um, do you want to do you want to hear what I have to go for that to compare? I sure, do. So. Have you ever been on a plane?
1: Yeah, lots of times.
0: Have you ever tried to enter or leave an aircraft during flight? (laughs) During flight? No,
1: I can't say that. I usually wait.
0: (laughs) Hmm. Well, it's a good thing because no pilot in command of an aircraft shall permit a person to enter or leave the aircraft during a flight without a parachute.
1: (laughs) Oh, but as long as you have the parachute. Mm -hmm. I can enter an aircraft in flight... Yes. While I'm wearing a parachute.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think about it Mission <laughs> Impossible totally legit. Like <laughs> <laughs> So Transport Canada apparently did this to curtail wind wing walking and other stunts.
1: Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> 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 so I'm like, what is going on up in the sky that people are trying to enter all of these airplanes while they're in or flight? exit or exit. <laughs> the exiting I get. Because, you know, let's say... Oh, that leg room gets really brutal on some of those flights. <laughs> right? <laughs> or, like, you just... You gotta get off a little earlier. you yeah, know. If... There's my hotel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but how do you get your baggage? Well, maybe you just had carry-on.
0: Well,
1: <laughs> oh, Right? If you're planning to leave before everybody else. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then, do you want to introduce our next little segment for today? Uh, sure, yeah.
1: We got something new for you good folks this week. Um... It terrible reviews. been recommended <laughs> that we read the terrible reviews we get, and we are pleased to indulge. So, yes. Shelley, so, you've got a humdinger one-star review for us this week.
0: I know, I know. I'd like to point out that we have 12 ratings on our site, and you can go and rate us and rate us badly, and that's fine. So long as you're constructive. <laughs> so, I don't care. So anyway, so we yeah, we have 12 ratings. We have uh, four five-star ratings. Oh, wonderful. One three-star rating. Mm -hmm. One two-star rating. All right. And and six one-star ratings. Oh, yes. But only one person wrote us with that. Oh, man. If you're going to leave us one star, at
1: least tell us why.
0: I know. Put a little effort into it, right? (laughs) All right. So this guy says, this guy is, um, I'm going to say Jacques MCS. Like it's J-A-C-Q-M-C-S. Okay. Um, and apparently no one found his review helpful either. So that's, that's, oh. that's a lot. Yeah. Oh, but anyway, for you should always have an answer when a question is ax- asked and you shouldn't make up answers for facts on people's lives. You're highlighting. We were excited about this podcast because we have listened to all of serial celi- to all of serial killers and needed something new. We could even we could even get through a whole episode because you are just laughing and talking about nothing most of the time. Ooh, this grammar is terrible. Please give Canada a better name in the podcast world and step up your research game. No one cares about where you're from, etc. They want to hear about the serial killer, why they did it, and what made them into a serial killer, etc. So, first of all, we don't generally cover serial killers most of the time.
1: Because yeah, everybody else <laughs> is
0: doing it. So... <laughs>
1: That's fine. is why I mean, you came here in the first whatever. Okay. But what question was asked that so we didn't answer? Well, I mean, sometimes it does happen that you'll ask a question. I don't know. Maybe. me or I'll ask one of you and it's like, oh, I'm not too sure. But I don't just make shit up if I don't know the answer.
0: I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like step up your research game. I mean, we could make suppositions.
1: Yeah. I guess. Yeah, but still. Huh. Anyway, thank you, Shock, for that.
0: <laughs> thank Very you. Helpful. Thank you for
1: your one-star review.
0: <laughs> and the title is "We gave it a chance, and you let us down."
1: Oh, I'm not going to apologize.
0: I'm not going to either. When your grammar sucks, <laughs> if you, you we could not even get through a whole episode. I'm assuming you didn't listen to the whole One episode. episode.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's so, fine. That's fine. Uh, I wish you I barely, luck I barely make future. it through our own episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good luck to you, Jacques. I hope you find a Canadian True Kind podcast that is better suited to your desires.
0: Yes. I'm sure that he's listening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> For all the other Jacques out there. Anyway. Anyway. Um, do you have anything else you want to add? Share with the good people? Mm, nope. Nope. Okay. Um. If you would care to leave us a five-star or one-star review, if you prefer, uh, feel free to do so. Um, Five-star reviews do help other people find us. However, i just like to point that out. Um, Even if it's just so you can all make fun of us and how bad we are at this.
0: Yeah, so if you're (laughs) going to leave a terrible review, make it a five-star terrible review.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you prefer to tweet your displeasure, you can do so at tnc underscore pod you can facebook us at true north crime pod or you can reach out to us personally at true north crime pod at gmail.com and tell us all about how much you don't like what we do <laughs> <laughs> we love to hear from you yeah. yeah so until next time i have been rachel
0: and i've been shelly
1: and stay safe out there
0: yeah haters gonna hate watch out Talk about bullying, jeez.
1: (laughs) Right? Oh, God.